You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome everyone to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Wade, and uh, today sucks. Let's just let's just be very frank about that. But I wouldn't want to do this show with anyone else but Big Ten Ben Stevens. I felt like, Ben, I just needed someone to be here with me because I'm going through a tough time, as is all of Hawkeye Nation. But uh, I don't think you're doing so well yourself, man. But how are you doing? I'm doing terrible. You're going through a tough time. I feel for you. Obviously, I wanted Iowa to beat Oregon on Monday as well. I'm going through it as a Big Ten guy that has seen seven of the nine teams as it stands at the moment of this recording being bounced from the NCAA tournament after the first weekend. I mean, there's a chance, Andrew Wade, as we sit here prior to Michigan and Maryland playing tonight, there is a very likely chance, unfortunately, we might not have a single team from the Big Ten Conference in the Sweet 16. I don't know. I was very high on a lot of these teams. I had Iowa to make the Elite Eight, probably losing to Gonzaga. I had Illinois and have said on record multiple times winning the national championship. I don't know if that was going to happen, but I expected better than this. To have a chance, they're not going to be a team get out of the first weekend. I mean, goodness. I mean, four days ago we were talking about could there be an all-Big Ten Final Four. That was four days ago. Now we're wondering, will the Big Ten make it out of the round of 32? And I'll be honest, Iowa, I didn't. Out of all their matchups, I actually felt like Oregon was probably their worst matchup because of what Oregon brings to the table. Size-wise, yeah, Luka was going to get his, and he did, and he dominated throughout this game. But where Oregon lacks in height, they make up for in size – or sorry, length and athleticism, and it showed in this game. They absolutely dominated Iowa. Uh, Iowa couldn't do anything defensively. Um, It was was frustrating. When I look at – and then I look at the other piece too. Oregon was so good offensively but Iowa couldn't hit any shots. So when you look at what Iowa did, Luca Garza, Joey's camp combined for most of Iowa's scoring output, Luca Garza and Joey's camp, six of 12 from three for 50%. The rest of the team, two of 13 for 15. Luca Garza and Joey's camp, 21 of 37 from the field, 57%. The rest of the team, 10 of 31 for 33%. Um, man, Oregon had a great game plan and it, they executed it perfectly. And uh, I really felt like, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Luca Garza, was not getting the ball very easily as an entry pass. I mean, Oregon was on top of him. And despite having that size differential, they did a great job of guarding him. Is that what you saw as well? They have great athleticism. Eugene Overui is only 6'6". Will Richardson, their point guard, is not a – he's actually not a small point guard. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Eric Williams. That's the other guy. Who's their other forward? Also 6'6". But they converged. They had the game plan. They knew if that ball was going to get inside of Luka Garza, as it should for Fran McCaffrey's team, that they were going to swarm and make it difficult. The tough thing for Luka was, especially in that second half, based on the rotations that Fran had to play to get some sort of defense out there, he didn't have the usual cast and characters to be able to knock down threes. Jordan Bohannon wasn't out there much in the second half because he was a defensive liability. Connor McCaffrey wasn't out there much in the second half to be able to facilitate cj frederick had a very bad game on the defensive side so the guys that were playing with luca outside of joe Wieskamp were patrick mccaffrey and joe toussaint and tony perkins and they're not knockdown shooters so that made everything that much more difficult so for luca garza to still finish with 36 points on 20 shots shows how efficient he is and again it's a sad culmination to his career in an Iowa jersey, but shows just how talented and a special talent he was. And we appreciate his time throughout his years at the University of Iowa. But a very difficult matchup for Luca because of the fact I Oregon could focus their defense on him and he didn't have the normal outlets to be able to knock down 
threes to really space out the offensive scheme. Oregon didn't really have to respect the shot of Joe Tucson or Tony yeah. Perkins. And that's the issue with Iowa. We've seen that in other games this season. Indiana is a great example of this. Iowa couldn't hit the broadside of a freaking barn. And what they did was like, we're going to triple team Luca every time. Then if you're not going to hit your shots, we don't respect you driving the ball to the basket. And Oregon, you know, credit to them. They had a great defensive game plan. Right. I mean, they were like, we're going to force you to make shots, but we're also going to get to you too. We're going to contest those three point shots. Regardless, no one could hit anything. Jordan Bohannon, yeah. O of two from behind the perimeter. CJ Frederick, O of two. Uh, Keegan Murray, one of five. Keegan had, and Keegan's going to be a phenomenal player in the Big Ten for years to come, but he had a terrible day shooting the ball. He just couldn't hit anything. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey, O of two. I don't really like Patrick's shot typically, but he's about a 30 to 33% shooter. You expect him to hit one of those. Uh, Tony mm-hmm. Perkins, the only guy to hit a three outside of Joe Wieskamp and Luka Garza. And I guess one from Keegan Murray, that's really not going to cut it for your team. I do want to note the fact that, you know, I got this question a couple times on Twitter. Iowa took out their three starters. They basically benched Jordan Bohannon in his final game in a Hawkeye uniform. They benched CJ Frederick. He played 13 minutes and Connor McCaffrey played 12. Connor McCaffrey apparently has two torn labrums in his hips. I don't know how the hell he's out there playing basketball, um, but when you can't shoot the ball, like he can't, let's be honest, he's just not a very good shooter. And you're also no longer able to move. Uh, yeah, that's going to make you a big liability. Sounds like CJ Frederick also um, a liability out there, still dealing with some nagging injuries. And then Jordan Bohannon, his his sweet spot has never been defense, right? It has never been the defensive side of the ball, but he has put up some really big energy the last couple of weeks on the defensive side of the ball, but he was just getting freaking torched in man defense by Oregon's offensive players. And what sucks the most is Iowa struggles in zone, but when you struggle in zone, typically what that means is you're allowing some open looks from three and Oregon just absolutely converted, hit 44% of their shots. It felt like every time they shot the ball, it was going in, man, that was, that was probably one of the toughest things to watch just getting beat that way. Yeah. When you look at the box score, it's actually pretty fascinating. Both Iowa and Oregon took 68 field goal attempts, both Iowa and Oregon shot 25 threes. Oregon did it at a slightly better clip, obviously. And that resulted in more points for the Oregon ducks, obviously. But when you look at how this game played out and you look at what Fran McCaffrey had to do coaching this game, he had to take out CJ Frederick and Connor McCaffrey and Jordan Bohannon because they were getting worked on the defensive end of the floor. And Oregon's guards are so, so good and athletic and great off the bounce, great shooters today. We saw LJ Figueroa absolutely light it up. He was five of nine for three, but Chris Duarte, the Pac-12 player of the year, showed his strength. I have been very high on this Oregon team. I watch a, a lot of what Dana Altman does. Going back to my days working in Omaha, Nebraska, when he was the former head coach at Creighton, obviously was out in Oregon, but he is a Wilbur, Nebraska native. He's a name around Omaha, a lot of people know. And I've been very impressed by what he's done with his Oregon teams in the NCAA. AA tournament. He has that team again this year. And Will Richardson, their very talented point guard, missed the first month and a half, two months of the season with a broken thumb. When he came back in early February, Oregon ended their final 12 regular season games 10 and 2. You see that a lot in the NCAA tournament where you see a team that might be slotted where it is on the seed line based on their overall resume, but you look at how they're playing heading into the NCAA tournament, it can be it can be a completely different team. I think that's the case with this Oregon team that at full strength with this athleticism, with this potential on offense, really more like a four or five seed. So a tough draw for Iowa in this spot, obviously, but still you need to beat good teams to get to where you want to go to make a deep run in March. So you're not really going to hear too many excuses that way, but Oregon, a very good team. I thought it would present a tough matchup for Iowa. I thought Luca Garza could take advantage of it down low. And he did, but I also knew that Jordan Bohannon and CJ Frederick and Joe Wieskamp were going to have to knock down their threes. And when two of those three guys 
only played 19 and 13 minutes respectively, that's not a makeup for success for Iowa. Not, not at all. I mean, they hit, they combined for zero points. You're not going to win a game when three of your starters combine for zero points. I don't care who the hell you are and who you have as the other two guys. Iowa has two potential NBA players, but you need to hit a few shots. And I think that's the, I mean, you look at Bo Borowski was the ref, right? In a close game, maybe you blame it on Bo because he sucks and that's an easy thing to do. Iowa lost this game. Oregon had a fantastic game plan. They executed perfectly. They got out in transition. They were outrunning Iowa and Iowa could hit their shots. If Iowa hits their shots, maybe it's a different game. If they hit it a 40% clip, they make four extra threes, bam, 95 to 80. They're already in that game. I mean, that's the, yep. and there, there were plenty of open looks there. Uh, so Iowa had, had an opportunity unable to convert. I, again, I thought this was a bad matchup for Iowa out of all the matchups they possibly had. Do you think, or, I mean, I don't want to be biased now to seeing what Oregon just did to Iowa because Iowa is probably one of the uh, less athletic teams in, in the tournament as far as what they handle compared to Oregon. But is Oregon a, a Final Four contender now? I mean, they could do this to Gonzaga too. All right, we're going to quickly pause the conversation with Ben, you know, talking about this Iowa-Oregon matchup and, and what happened in that game to tell you about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to serve, to shop for all of your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything, though, from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I can personally attest to this. I saved $50 on two engine air filters by going to rockauto.com. So right now, go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast at. Oh, I think so. I think Oregon's going to be in the Elite Eight. I think it's going to be Gonzaga and Oregon facing off for that spot in the Final Four out of the West Region. The West Region, other than Oregon and Iowa and Gonzaga, I think is a little bit down. You have yeah. USC and Kansas later on a Monday night to see who gets to the Sweet 16, who will match up against the Oregon Ducks. But I think it's a very favorable bracket for Gonzaga. And I think you could use that conversely. We talked about it before the tournament for Iowa as well to get to an Elite Eight. You can say the same thing about this Oregon team, that if they play at this level today that we saw on Monday against Iowa, they can compete with Gonzaga. They are that good, and they have that much depth across the rotation. You saw guys get in off the bench. Dana Altman played nine guys today. They have some depth there. They can work it around a little bit. And some of that size they lack, they make up for in length and athleticism across their five-man rotation that start for them. So this Oregon team is dangerous in my mind. Obviously, if they're going to shoot 44% from three and 55.9% from the field, yeah. that's going to be a pretty tough team to beat. But they had a wonderful game plan. You're right. And that's one of the points I thought that really got the game away from Iowa early in that second half. Oregon got out in transition quickly off made baskets off any mistake Iowa made and they took advantage where they were running a track meet because I thought towards the end of that first half about three and a half minutes left game was tied around 46 I believe I was like, oh my god we're gonna I win this game I thought Iowa was in a great position. I completely agree with you. They missed a couple of open buckets they normally would make, and then it got up to 10 at the half, and I was like, this is a danger position because if Oregon continues his offensive pace, 
doesn't matter what Iowa does offensively. They're not going to be able to keep up because if they can't stop Oregon, it's going to be a very, very difficult final 20 minutes. And then you saw Fran so frustrated by Iowa's mistakes and them getting allowing Oregon to get out and transition as easily as they wanted to, that he slammed down the clipboard and he pulled CJ and Jordan and Connor pretty much right there. And we didn't see them much until late in the game when they needed a couple hoist threes from Jordan Bohannon, who he airballed one and it was a very tough game and very sad for Jordan Bohannon, very sad for all the experience on this Iowa team that this is the way they go out. This is Jordan Bohannon's last game, most likely in an Iowa uniform. Luca Garza's last game, most likely in an Iowa uniform. We can discuss Joey's camp, I think, in a little bit, but just a very disappointing result. Not the way you wanted to end your Iowa career, although Luca Garza with the performance and the effort he put in today, obviously never should he have a reason to, but nothing to hang his head on. Yeah, I mean, Luca's performance was just legendary. It goes to show you why he is the National Player of the Year. Uh, mm-hmm. It goes to show you why he is one of the best players to ever play college basketball and the best player in Iowa basketball, men's basketball history. Um, mm-hmm. When I look at the game, you mentioned 18 minutes. And I think that's a turning point. The 18-minute mark or the two-minute mark, I was like, Iowa's in this game. You know, they didn't, they didn't convert on a few things. Yeah, they got a little sloppy at times. But overall, I thought they were matching up pretty well. I thought they were doing what they needed to do. And I thought – there's no way Oregon shoots this well going into the second half and Iowa will eventually get to the, you know, get a little bit better shooting. Uh, yeah. Oregon didn't shoot as well in the second half, but Iowa actually managed to get worse uh, right. at shooting the ball, which is unfortunate. I do want to call You mentioned the bench of, of Oregon and, and they did play some of their, their, their bench guys and they did a solid job, but 40 minutes, 34 minutes, 32 minutes, 32 minutes, 30 minutes. Those are the starters minutes for the ducks, Iowa, 36, 33, 19, 13, and 12. Iowa really went to their bench, especially in that second half. Again, pissed off. They're not playing defense. He plays Keegan Murray, 23 minutes. Patrick McCaffrey, 19. Tony Perkins, a true freshman, only started getting minutes towards the end of the season, 14. Joe Toussaint, 13. Aaron Ulis, Ulis, I always butcher his, like, I struggle with the use. It doesn't matter. Anyways, Aaron, 12 <laughs> minutes. Um, Iowa actually managed to close the gap in a sense, right? So that first half, they had a 10-point deficit, only a five-point deficit in the second half. Um, that to me speaks volumes though about this, this bench as well for Iowa and the potential they have going forward. So I know a lot of Iowa fans are very upset as am I, uh, I've cried today. That wasn't fun. Um, I'm sad. That's why I have you here. So I can at least pretend to be happy or have someone to talk to. Cause I'm not doing it by myself. I was like, honestly, I was about to just not even record a show. I was like, I'm done. I'm out right. for the week, but the show must go on. We have women's basketball that is in action tomorrow as well, but the bench played phenomenally. I thought, I mean, for true freshman it gives you a lot of hope for what to think if they can continue to surround them with some shooters cj frederick coming back um we have another guy next year coming back or uh, peyton samper who should be a, a knockdown three-point shooter i mean you have those guys surrounded by keegan murray patrick mccaffrey perkins Toussaint. i mean that's some athleticism and I, I feel like that's a strong defensive team as well yeah the future is very bright in iowa city obviously some of the faces we have come to recognize over the past four five six years if you're jordan bohannon are not going to be there anymore and luca garza and jobo and maybe joey's camp as well but the athleticism that is coming to this iowa team that has been very different from the iowa team we see here and today is going to be exciting for hawkeye fans in my opinion because i think their offensive games will also grow as well are they going to be the knockdown shooters of a jordan bohannon or a joey's camp Probably not. But can Tony Perkins improve? Absolutely. Can Joe Toussaint improve offensively? Absolutely. I think he's a great facilitator as it stands right now. And these are going to be much better on-ball defenders than we have seen over the past couple of seasons in Iowa City. I like what Patrick McCaffrey will do. I think he will only expand his shot as well in his offensive repertoire. The future is bright in Iowa City. I think right now, though, you're left with a bad taste in your mouth knowing 
what this team was and how special they were to get knocked in the round of 32 is not how you wanted this season to end. And although the bench did play a lot of good minutes, you are probably looking for guys like CJ Frederick and Jordan Bohannon to have a much better effort against a seven seed in the NCAA tournament when you were a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. But by the way, this is now our 12th upset as deemed by the NCAA where it's five seed lines or lower, where the lower seed is five seeds behind the higher seed, however you want to describe that. But a two seed versus a seven seed is an upset. This is our 12th upset already halfway through the round of 32. That is the NCAA tournament record. So this has been filled with chaos, filled with chaos. It always, always is madness in the month of March, obviously. But 20 of the underdogs of the 44 games we have had at this point have won outright. They haven't just covered whatever spread it was. 20 of the 44 underdogs have won outright. This has been mayhem that we come to expect for the NCAA tournament, but on a larger scale than we've ever seen in history. Yeah, it's crazy to me. And I think a lot of that has to actually go back to the fact that there wasn't a lot of non-conference play. So mm -hmm. we didn't get a great evaluation of how these teams stack up against each other. Then you got to factor in all the COVID pauses. Uh, then you have injuries. I mean, it's just, it's. I think it was, I think, Clearly, March Madness is March Madness, right? It's always insane. But I think the seeding might have been a little bit off in general for most teams because there hasn't been as much correlate, you know, not, not as much uh, collaboration between the different, you know, conferences to actually play. You're not seeing the Big Ten play a bunch of different conferences. I do think the Big Ten is as strong as we thought it was, which I think is kind of a hot take considering how bad they're doing. But I think they just had some bad matchups and bad performance. Purdue has been known to do what they did. Iowa has gone cold five times this season and they got blown out in those five games. Illinois is lackadaisical as hell against teams that they're not respecting and appreciating sometimes. And they, they cost them the game. So, I mean, we, we've seen this with some of these teams, some of these concerns, but you just don't expect them to all come out the exact same weekend, the first weekend of March Madness. You talked about the future. Uh, I want to get to Luca Garza and then Joe Wieskamp and we can close out the show. Luca Garza, again, a phenomenal performance. Um, watching him come off the court, I think elicited – a ton of emotions. Uh, you could see his dad recording it. You could see Luca starting to realize what was happening. And I think the thing that got me was him just breaking down into Fran McCaffrey's shoulders. Just he, like, I, th I think if he could have, Luca would have stayed there for about 30 minutes to let Fran just hug him. Cause I mean, what, what a, it just sucks, man. It just sucks. So freaking bad. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw that? All right, y'all, last pause before we get into segment number two, or excuse me, segment number three of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I got to tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Betonline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. Betonline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head over to the website or or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code locked on. That's right. Go to betonline.ag. When you sign up, use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And we've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now it's time to find out though which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is chocolate brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake. 
Let us know your thoughts. I personally am going to take the chocolate brownie chunk, but I'm just not a very big almond or a fruit kind of person. So lemon almond cheesecake is definitely not the flavor for me. But it's your time to let Built Bar know which is the best flavor. Go vote today at BuiltBar.com or go to bar underscore built on Twitter. And remember, when you want to purchase your next box of Built Bars, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever and the nfl draft is weeks away it's time to start following our locked on nfl draft duo the draft dudes podcast watches every prospect so that you don't have to and the locked on nfl draft podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast follow locked on nfl draft and draft dudes on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast at yeah just so sad honestly like it was very hard to see him cry as much as he did because it's the finality of the moment. We all knew this was coming at some form or fashion in this month of March, maybe even early April, Luca Garza was going to play his last game for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But the finality of the moment to go out as it did was just so difficult to watch and to know and to have an appreciation of watching Luca Garza play these past years in the Big Ten Conference to be a two-time Big Ten player of the year. And then to know that that guy would no longer be suiting up in the league that we love so much. It is very, very difficult, but he will leave, obviously, scoring 2,306 career points, the all-time leading scorer in Iowa basketball history. Number 55 will hang up in the rafters of Carver Hawkeye Arena for a very, very long time. And as our good friend Derek Andreski, who has been on your show multiple times, my show as well, he had a great quote from Luca after the game in his post-game press conference. I love the University of Iowa. These guys changed my life. I worked as hard as I could. It hurts that it's over for me. It's added motivation to do great things in the future. That goes to show you and speaks to the guy that Luca Garza is always thinking about that next step and what this time in Iowa city meant to him. So very sad to see a moment. That is why we love college athletics in a way though, because you know how much being an Iowa Hawkeye meant to Luca Garza. You could see it when he hugs Fran on the sideline, but the finality of the moment difficult for any fan of college basketball, not just in the big 10, not just of Iowa, but knowing Luca Garza's place in the history of this great sport. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that's perfectly said. So I, I have literally nothing to add. I just, it just sucks. Um, but another guy who might be leaving a lot of, I mean, I started getting some comments on Twitter as well. When I said this could be Joey's camp's last game, people are saying, why, why would this be his last game? Well, I, I I'm not trying to like take away your thunder here, but Joey's camp, in my opinion, has done about as much as he could for his draft stock. He could come back and he could be the guy he could put up 25, 26 points a game. Peter Jock, was a senior for an Iowa, a young Iowa basketball team a couple of years ago, put up some fantastic numbers. He spent two years with the Northern Arizona Suns, and now he's overseas in Europe. Peter Jock is a phenomenal player. I'm not saying Peter Jock and Joe Wieskamp are the same player. I think they bring similar things to the table. But Joe Wieskamp's stock, in my opinion, doesn't go up any more than it already has this season with his phenomenal play down the stretch. He's a 3 and D kind of guy. He can pop a shot. He's not going to be a guy who's going to score 30 points in the NBA, but they don't need that from him all the time. But he's a guy who could go in the second round, and I don't think he gets into the first round by having a phenomenal season. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Where do you think, what do you think happens with Joe? And, and just before I say that, Joe also said he has not made a decision yet or at least is not discussing it at this point. Um, to me, I think he's going to evaluate the situation there's a chance maybe he comes back and he wants to be the guy but I think when you're looking at the future you're looking at what this team had from an expectations perspective you're looking at the injury he started to deal with with an ankle and then dealing with the injury in the game today with his Achilles uh, and the fact that next year's team's gonna be young I think he's gone 
I think your point there that you ended with is why I think Joe Wieskamp has probably played his final game in an Iowa jersey. Just because of all the turnover we will see. And although we highlighted the athleticism and how it will be good to have those fresh faces and it will be a different maybe style of basketball than we've seen the last couple of years for Iowa, it's just a change. The guys that Joe played with are now going to be gone. The guys that he grew up with in his time in Iowa City are gone. And not that he's not friends with Patrick McCaffrey or Keegan Murray or Chris Murray. I'm not saying that by any means, but this is maybe the finality for him as well. It's time to usher in the new guard and he can take advantage. When you look at his draft stock, I agree. I think he's one of the best prospects that the NBA can see coming out of the Big Ten Conference because he is your prototypical 3 and D player. I think there is a place for him in the NBA. Now you have to understand what Joe Wieskamp might be going for And that's where your point is also well taken. Can coming back for his senior season improve his draft stock? Maybe a couple of picks. But I think unless he truly is a world beater next year and takes over the landscape, which I think Joe could come back and average 19 points a game. Don't get me wrong. But unless he really does something phenomenal that would blow us away and have a historical season, I don't think he becomes a lottery guy or even a top 20 pick in the NBA draft in the first round. So I think this might be his ceiling. And I think really with kind of changing of the faces that have been a part of his program that he is known for the Hawkeyes basketball program, I think we've probably seen his last basketball in an Iowa jersey. If he came back, I wouldn't be shocked. But if he left, I think that's probably what is more certain at this moment. But I agree. And his point that he said in the press conference today, he respects the question that has to be asked. But right now, he hasn't really gone through that process. So at this time, it's undetermined. I don't think Joe Wieskamp will be back next year in Iowa City. Yeah, I would give it 70-30. And I also appreciate the response that he gave. Very mature response, which is what you'd expect from Joe Wieskamp. I think regardless, uh, today stings. Or yesterday, when people were listening, it stings for all Iowa fans everywhere. It was not the way we expected this season to end. Um, especially after last year of COVID, you know, canceling the tournament, Iowa was doing pretty well towards the end of that season. Uh, we had high expectations coming into the season when Luca Garza decided to return. And it's not what we wanted, but, um, you know, it's why we love the sport. It's why we love watching the game. It's why we love March Madness. Things like this happen. Ben, as always, I appreciate you coming on. I truly don't like, I know I think I might be taking this a little bit more serious than a lot of people realize, but like I am hurting so bad. And I don't think I could have done this without you. So thank you, man. Where can people find you, by the way? They can find me on Twitter at Ben Scott Stevens each and every day, like Andrew does here on Locked On Hawkeyes. I host the Locked On Big Ten podcast for a broader look at this glorious conference that's going through a little bit of a rough fetch the last 72 hours. But <laughs> hey, I appreciate this as well. It's like sharing our condolences with each other, getting to get some things off our chest. So this was very nice for me as well. I appreciate being a part of this podcast. I am also very upset that Iowa got knocked out in the round of 32. So not a great day for me as Big Ten Ben for the Big Ten Conference in general or the Iowa Hawkeyes. But they will be back. The future is bright, and Caitlin Clark is a hooper. So let's tune over to the NCAA Women's Tournament as well. Dude, Caitlin Clark is a boss. And, yeah, I think this was very um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not relieving. Therapeutic. Therapeutic. This is why you're here. You're the wordsmith, man. Therapeutic. Very therapeutic for me. Thank you all for tuning in, though. Hopefully it was therapeutic for you as well because I'm sure if you listen to this, you're just a a big puddle of sadness like I am as well. But thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the show. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us that five-star review if you like the sadness or just like anything we cover about Iowa Hawkeyes. And make sure to tune in to Caitlin Clark and the women's basketball team taking on Kentucky today when you're listening to this. I was going to give a preview, but honestly, I just don't have it in me to do basically anything but but Ben. So tune into that. We'll be covering that game as well. Thank you all for tuning in, though. Have a fantastic Tuesday, and let's go Hawks.